0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all counts of murdering George Floyd. Christina Davis shares local reactions. Then high school junior Arsima Acklog shares her reaction to the verdict. First, the news. An Escondido police officer fatally shot a man armed with a metal object Wednesday morning, a deadly encounter that comes amid intensifying public scrutiny of police use of force. Someone called 911 at about 7 a.m. to report seeing a man with a pry bar striking vehicles on Broadway near 2nd Avenue. An officer arrived to find the man armed with a large metal object, the department said. During the encounter, the officer opened fire and shot the man. Officers rendered medical aid to the man until paramedics took him to the hospital where he died. Police spokesman Lieutenant Kevin Toth said the department is withholding the man's name until his family is notified, but said he is believed to be white and a transient who frequents the area. San Diego Superintendent Cindy Martin is one step closer to taking the second highest education job in the country. The U.S. Senate committee that focuses on education voted 14 to 8 on Wednesday to move Martin's nomination as deputy education secretary to the full U.S. Senate. The Senate will have the final say in whether to confirm her nomination. If confirmed, Martin will be the chief operating officer of the U.S. Department of Education, which has a seventy three point five billion dollar budget and serves about 50 million K through 12 students and 12 million post-secondary students. California's coronavirus rate is now the lowest in the continental United States. The state's latest seven-day rate of 40.3 new cases per 100,000 people is dramatically lower than the nationwide rate of 135.3. It is edged only by Hawaii with a rate of 39.1, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. At the other end of the spectrum is Michigan, which has 483 cases per 100,000 people. The verdict against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin unleashed an outpouring of bittersweet satisfaction across San Diego Tuesday. While many community leaders praised the jury for sending messages of accountability, they also cautioned that true justice remains fleeting until policing in America commits to significant change. The Union Tribune had reporters on the ground yesterday gathering reactions from community members and sending them to Christina Davis, who wrote the story. Christina, there was a really big um, newsroom effort yesterday to cover reactions uh, to the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, black community leaders in San Diego weighed in. What were their reactions? Yeah,
1: Christy, you're right. Um, we got reactions from all over the community, from all corners. Um, and what I found really interesting was uh, a lot of the reactions were very similar. They had this duality to them. And. Um, and it really was that they were they were satisfied with the verdict. You know, it it was definitely the verdict that they wanted, and and they were happy with it. Um, I heard a lot of comments of a sense of relief. You know that 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 the jury did the right thing, but on the other hand, you know they said that this wasn't true justice. That that true justice really won't be felt um, until the system changes um, and until you know, the country really makes a commitment to change policing. Um, so it was really this kind of bittersweet reaction um, that I heard a lot of yesterday.
0: What was the police reaction here locally?
1: Well, while we didn't really go out and talk to a lot of uh, rank and file officers, so it's a little hard to say uh, what what their reaction was, um, we did talk to a couple um, police union leaders, uh, including, you know, one leader of the of the Black police union, and both uh, were actually supportive of the verdict. They said, um, you know, that Derek Chauvin, what he did to George Floyd was, was not right. It's not what a police officer should be doing. It's, it was not policy. It was not proper conduct. And so that he should have been held accountable for that. And he, and he was. Um, so they were supportive of the verdict.
0: After the verdict came down, uh, Mayor Todd Gloria read a statement over police radios is that a common thing to do and, and what did he say?
1: Yeah I, I don't think it's a common thing to do. Um, I think we were actually trying to ask the police department some of those follow-up questions um, and I'm not sure we ever got answers uh, back later yesterday because um, I have the same question you know how, how often has the city's mayor actually taken over the, the, the police department's airwaves um, and actually addressed the officers the whole police force you know over that um, I think it is really rare. Um, But I think he saw this as a moment um, in our history, Uh, you know, the the police have been at the center of this discussion, the social discourse. And I think he wanted to uh, reassure them that, um, you know, Chauvin does not reflect them um, or what they are doing in San Diego or should be doing, and uh, I think it was kind of a, a a way to say, you know, okay, this happened and, and let's move on from here. I'm not sure how well received his message was, uh, you know, from the rank and file uh, on the force. While the message was supportive, it was also kind of interesting, um, you know, that he wasn't a little more forceful um, in encouraging, you know, further reform in the police department.
0: Can you talk about some of the, you know, systemic changes, um, police policy changes that we've seen in San Diego in response to George Floyd's death over the past year?
1: Police reform has definitely been the hot topic um, of 2020, for sure. Um, and San Diego has been no stranger to that. You know, across the country, there have been a lot happening, too. One of the earliest things that happened after George Floyd um, was that all of the police agencies in the county agreed to ban use of the carotid restraint. And that's um, it's kind of a controversial neck hold that officers will use to restrain people. Um, it's interesting because we've definitely had some community activists who have been trying to get that move banned for several years and have spoken in front of city council and, and uh, you know police boards and everything and have just not quite gotten the buy-in to do it. So um, I I think uh, George Floyd's death definitely um, had a hand in um, finally getting that change done. In November, voters also approved um, a move to kind of rebuild the city's police oversight board. And once again, that's also an issue that um, local activists have for years been complaining about that that the board uh, reviews police misconduct cases, but they really have no power. Um, they're independent, but not really. Um, they can't subpoena um, any witnesses uh, or officers during their investigations. They they don't have those powers. So, um, in November, I think definitely as a result of um, of Floyd's death, uh, voters did decide to change up the police oversight board um, to recreate it and to give it more independence and to give it subpoena powers.
0: Do you have a sense of what's next here locally? I know that Derek Chauvin is um, awaiting his sentencing, but you know, a, a lot of uh, leaders in your story, a lot of people in your story said there's there's still work to be done. Do, do we know what those issues are?
1: That's a really good question. And that's one that um, actually uh, editors and reporters are talking about right now as we're trying to figure out um, where do we go next from here just with our news coverage on it. Um, I think we're gonna continue to see uh, Protests and demonstrations, um, as we have, I think that there's a lot to be done um, at the legislative level. Um, I know that there's a few uh, a few things in the works um, that uh, could really help with equity and policing. One of the more interesting comments that I heard yesterday were from civil rights attorneys who have been um, ones filing a lot of these police misconduct lawsuits over the past several years, um, and what really struck them about the trial was just how many of Chauvin's um, colleagues and fellow police officers came and testified on the stand, including the police chief, um, against him, against against the behavior and the use of force tactics. And they found that that was really indicative of this maybe blue wall kind of coming down, um, this blue wall that often, you know, officers are told that they need to protect their fellow officers, you know, uh, protect the ranks. And you saw that crumbling a bit with the Chauvin trial. And maybe officers who saw uh, that kind of testimony in the trial um, will now think that um, it's okay, that they can actually speak out um, and it's the right thing to do and that they're not going to be um, punished for that.
0: Now let's turn to opinion. Arsema Aklog is a junior at San Diego High School, where she serves as the co-president of the Black Student Union. Uh, Arsema, you wrote an opinion piece for the UT this week uh, about your reaction uh, to the verdict and the Derek Chauvin trial. Tell me a little bit more about it. Uh, how, how did you respond?
2: thank you so much for having me um I really focused the brunt of my article on where we go from here I personally couldn't really bring myself to watch the trial itself I mean even when like this whole ordeal started um and the graphic video of George Floyd being killed came out I watched the first five seconds and called it a day and I feel like um, in these conversations about police brutality um in our haste to kind of get things done, we really forget the mental health of Black youth in the process, and we inadvertently um, end up doing like more harm than good. So I kind of focused my article on um, the activism, the problematic activism that I'd seen um, as a result um, this past summer since um, George Floyd died and what um, I wanted my community to focus on going forward. So I was super happy to have that chance to share my side of the story. Will you tell me more about the problematic activism that you've seen? Of course. So um, something that I've seen um, arise, um, especially during the summer, um, as a result of all the protests is um, a lot of people seem, uh, especially like non-black activists, seem to be um, more concerned with making sure that they're the right person or absolving themselves of not being that white person or not being one of those people and I think um, in um, trying to absolve yourself of that kind of guilt you go above and beyond um, and it can do damage a lot of damage and so for me what that looks like is like sharing graphic videos of like people dying in an effort to say hey like I know what's happening I'm woke but when I see that it's like I don't forget about that. That's someone that could have been my dad. That could have been my uncle. It could be my little brother a couple years down the line. And it's not just um, another you know, infographic for you to post. And um, it was really harmful. But what I've seen is that in mean, my conversations with like my Black Studies class and um, within my Black Student Union, when you critique any activism, um, you... Um, a lot of Black youth get gaslighted and get told, oh, you should be glad that we're doing anything at all. And um, I think that that's not the unconditional allyship that we're looking for. So I'm hoping to see um, some change in that aspect in the future.
0: You mentioned uh, mental health of, you know, young Black people. What are some of the things that you've done, you know, or that you've seen done uh, to, to keep your mental health up?
2: For sure. Um, A quote that's really helped me actually is one um, by Audre Lorde that says, um, When you're Black, um, self care is a revolutionary act. And that's something that's um, really helped me just because it put into perspective that, like, just me existing and staying present in a society that's um, kind of built on my oppression is a feat within itself. And I don't have to prove anything to anyone um, or um, really put the burden of fixing my community all on myself. So that's like a mindset that's really helped me. Um, And I think in conversations with um, my black friends, really just focusing on black joy, um, to be perfectly honest. Like I think in the media, like in movies, like more often than not, they're centered on black trauma. Like I can't think of like the last big um, all black blockbuster. Um, since but like the Black Panther that um, wasn't really focused on slavery or wasn't focused on segregation or um, racism so just bonding over you know jokes or just finding the little moments to just be like hey we're here and we're surviving what are the conversations
0: you're having um, with your peers about the verdict of this and and just uh, overall about Black Lives Matter
2: for sure. So th- that's actually a conversation that um, started earlier this morning. Um, in all three of my classes, um, my teachers started it with a discussion question. that was like, hey, just to check in, um, how are you guys feeling about the trial? And I think it was a double-edged sword in that I'm glad that we're having these conversations. But for me, um, it, it really hurt to hear some of my classmates um, kind of Um, I think one person in particular had mentioned that they were um, glad everything was back to normal, Um, that they were um, glad to see that justice had been served. Um, Someone else had said that um, their faith in humanity was restored. And I can't afford to have that kind of optimism. Um, So seeing that, like, it's been all of these months, and I thought that, like, after all of this, the one thing that we could take away is that the system was broken, and that um, reforms weren't enough. But it was a bit disappointing, um, for sure, to see some of my classmates take this as, um, oh, this is evidence that whatever we're doing is working. When I think it's actually quite to the contrary. Um, but in general, I've been—I for me—I've been really fortunate to have safe spaces. Um, uh, to where I'm actually free to talk to my um, minority, like friends that are particularly those who are minorities, without really fear of judgment or um, fear that I'm quote unquote overreacting. And I think that um, even with some of my closest um, white friends, that can be a concern sometimes. Um, so I'm just really glad to have like these safe spaces where we're just able to say, "Hey, my feelings are valid," and I know my experience um, as part of a marginalized community more than anyone else and my opinion matters in what I want to see in the future.
0: Yeah, the idea that there's a lot more work to do has been common throughout this conversation. It sounds like you wrote about that in your op-ed. What more would you like to see happen um, here in San Diego specifically but and beyond?
2: Um, I think that's definitely a loaded question. I have so much that I want to see done. Um, But first and foremost, definitely divesting away from police and investing it into our communities is something that I really, really want to see. Um, But more than that, I think there's a common misconception. Um, I remember I um, was answering an essay question for, um, I think, a program I was applying to, and I was asked to identify um, I was asked to identify the top three issues that I wanted to focus on. And I remember racism was one of them. It's homelessness and then it was climate. Like there are a bunch of different options. And I feel like this kind of reasoning is something that's seen within um, the government as well. It's like an either or, like you need to prioritize this or this. You give funding to this or this. When I really feel like um, the core of our issues is that we're not seeing that racism is an underlying problem in all of our um institutions it's not really like something that's exclusive to police like here in san diego disproportionate amount of our i think last i checked like um something like 20 percent of our homeless population is african-american when we make up only six percent of the general san diego population same goes for climate um i don't know the exact statistics for our black population but um as we know Latino uh, the, uh, the Latina population um, faces the brunt of the pollution um, in our communities and that leads to higher asthma rates. And I feel like um, something that I wanna see in the future is kind of an intersectional approach um, where we're able to see racism not as like one distinct problem, but something that we really need to tackle at all levels um, within our city. And that's something that I hope um, Todd Glor- um our mayor Todd Gloria can focus on in the next four years. and Um, Same goes for the County Board of Supervisors.
0: You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.